Now we continue our worship by listening for God's word as it comes to us from the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter. In this text, Jesus performs his first miracle in the Gospel of Mark. I invite you to listen for God's word for you. They went to Capernaum, or as I learned this summer in Israel, it's often pronounced Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and he taught. Jesus was he who entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed. And they kept on asking one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him? And at once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we come to you this morning, having gathered here to receive what you alone can provide. And so we ask now that you would still within us any voice but your own, that we might hear your word, and not only hear but obey. For we pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Have you ever attended a worship service where something totally unexpected happened? Maybe it had something to do with the facility, like a fire alarm that gets set off and everybody has had to exit the sanctuary. Maybe it had something to do with the worship experience itself. The minister may have dropped the chalice or the plate forgot the words to the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> or maybe it had something to do with the congregation. Maybe some medical emergency occurred during the service in the pew. It wasn't long ago I stood up here in front of my daughter who was getting married and my other daughter was the, the matron of honor and about six months pregnant. And while the priest was offering the prayer, I had to catch my daughter who was passing out. You just never know what's going to happen in worship, but worship doesn't always astonish us. It happened one day, however, in the ministry of Jesus. He went to worship and he was confronted by this man with an unclean spirit. And he had a convulsion right there in the sanctuary. 
We don't really know much about this man. We don't know his name. We don't know anything about his family or his faith. In fact, he almost seems to be more of a prop in the story than a real character. But Jesus confronts him and then cleans up or cleans out his life in some dramatic way that leaves everyone astonished. And his reputation spreads. Maybe the first thing to note is that Jesus begins his cleansing work right in the sanctuary, right in the church. I don't know about you, but I tend to be a little skeptical of miracle stories. I mean, after all, I live in a scientific age. I tend to approach life a little more rationally than they did in the first century, perhaps. But then some things just surprise me. The very first miracle in this Gospel of Mark happens in worship, and it leaves everyone astonished at Jesus' teaching and at his authority and the way he moved through life. And that's kind of astonishing in itself. This gospel records that people were astounded at the teaching of Jesus, but unlike the other gospels of Matthew and Luke, there's very little actual teaching of Jesus in Mark's gospel. There's no Sermon on the Mount. It's enough for this gospel that the early reaction to Jesus was one of astonishment. I had an astonishing experience not long ago. It was the end of a grueling handball match. My partner sat down and began to tell me his personal story. Frankly, I wasn't the least bit interested. After an hour and a half of handball, it's a total body workout. I was simply looking for some place to sit down and to begin to rehydrate. But if I was sending off any cues that I wasn't interested, he wasn't picking them up. <laughs> and so I listened. He knew I was a pastor. He wanted me to know. Raised with alcoholic parents, and a mother who he described as a raging alcoholic, whose fits of anger when she was drunk sent him to the hospital on at least five occasions. He, too, eventually became an alcoholic and a drug user. He showed me the scar on his shoulder where his mother hit him so hard with a wooden hanger on one occasion it broke pierced his skin and muscle, and his mother made both him and his father promise that they would tell the doctors and nurses in the ER that he had fallen, which he described as classic codependent behavior. After serving in the Marine Corps in Vietnam, Reuben experienced post-traumatic stress syndrome, and he descended into alcoholism and drug use. Several times he approached his church and tried to turn his life around, but it never took. 
And he didn't understand the disease of alcoholism that had its grip on him, pulling him down further and further until he was no longer drinking from the bottle, but it was drinking from him. For two years, he said, I lived under the bridge on the 101 freeway, homeless and wandering the streets of Los Angeles. It's too dangerous to sleep at night in that kind of a world. So most of those individuals have significant sleep deprivation. And with the nutritional deficits that come with panhandling and searching out waste bins for your meal, coupled with what alcohol does to the body and drugs, it dehydrates you, even as you're drinking these fluids. It leaves you in a downward spiral, losing control of your own mental capabilities. All he knew was that he hated God, he hated life, and he hated himself most of all. The last time he was high, he was hungry, he didn't have any money, he was broke, he began to panhandle in downtown L.A. for something to eat, and nobody offered him anything. He looked so pathetic, they avoided him. And finally, he sat down on the curb, broken and desperate. And then a miracle happened. This young child, about seven or eight-year-old young girl, emerged from a car. And she reached out to give him her sack lunch. And as desperate as he was, he just could not take the lunch of a young girl, and so he, he declined it. And the little girl went back to the car, and then the mother emerged from the driver's seat and came around with a Tupperware, and she said, here, take, eat. And he did. And he said in that moment, I knew two things. I knew that God existed and had not abandoned me. And I knew there is unconditional love in the world. I no longer hated God, and I no longer hated others. And I realized I was my own problem. So with that, he picked himself up, he went and he called a pastor, and he asked the pastor to come and get him and take him to the hospital, where he spent the next two weeks in detox, in a locked unit for mental health. He emerged from there and went down to the Salvation Army, where he lived for a year. He got involved in Alcoholics Anonymous, and he turned his life around, although he wouldn't put it that way. He said, God turned my life around. Now at this point, I can hardly stand any longer. And he said, you know what? I tell people all the time, 
God is in the miracle business. And I found myself feeling a little bit like the scribes must have felt that day in the temple, in the synagogue in Capernaum, where Jesus reached out and cleansed a man. I deal with this stuff all the time. I should know better. I should know enough to know that there are some things that God does in life that we just can't explain. Miracles. I know this is an extreme case, but the one that I just read recorded in the Gospel of Mark is an extreme case too. And Reuben told me, I could take you down today to Skid Row and I'll show you people who are in hell. Now I know that the crazy making stuff in your life is not nearly as obvious or destructive as it was in Reuben's. You may be drinking a little more than you used to. You may worry about it once in a while and wonder if others are aware of it, but it's under control, you tell yourself. Or you may just be juggling so many different activities and schedules for yourself and your kids that you feel frazzled and desperate, but it's only occasionally. You may be exhausted just trying to put life together or hold life together. Worried about your marriage and your relationships. Anxious about what's happening or not happening in life. It keeps you awake at night. You can't get back to sleep. You may be experiencing a little sleep deprivation of your own. This week, while I was traveling, I walked by a store and I saw a plaque in the store. I should have purchased it. It struck me immediately. It read, May your life one day be as awesome as you pretend it is on Facebook. <laughs> I mean, the problem often in our lives is that the image of our lives and the reality are so distant from one another. Well, the good news of the gospel is that God is loose in the world and you just never know where this Lord is going to show up. But wherever it is, you can be quite certain that it will have a cleansing effect on people's lives and on their relationships and on society itself. Now, cleansing is something many of us are interested in. I see products advertised all the time. It'll clean out your digestive system, fruit juice detoxing. Physical cleansings have become quite popular. But what about our spirits? What kind of cleansing is needed today for you? Who do you blame for your problems? Where are you avoiding the real issues in your life? Where are you afraid to, to face the poor choices that you've made? 
Now the beauty is, by God's grace and God's faithfulness, we only are baptized once at this font. But we need cleansing every day. And we in the church who sometimes domesticate God so that he meets us on our schedule only when we decide we actually need something from God. I'm a little uncomfortable with a Jesus who shows up intent on casting out unclean spirits in the church. But what this text to me in Mark's Gospel says, there are certain things that are on their way out. Thanks be to God. Now that the Lord is present in life and in the world, there are certain things that are on their way out. And there's a restoration and a kind of transformation that comes that Reuben experienced, that has power and authority over all that leaves us unclean. And amidst all the voices today that compete for our attention, we'll watch them on commercials at, what is it, $4 billion for 30 minutes or something like that? Amidst all the voices competing for our attention these days, there is one voice that has authority to cleanse and to heal our infirmity. And that voice liberates us from the forces of evil and guides us into real communion with one another. Jesus said, be silent. It reminds me of those great words in the Old Testament, be still and know that I am God. <clears throat> On that day following that match, I was silent long enough to be reminded of the remarkable power of God unleashed in human life to cleanse us and restore us. And that that voice continues to call to call us to live in unfettered and less self-destructive ways. God is loose in the world. God is loose in our church. God is loose in your life. And you should do everything you can within your power to line up with that transforming power of God's Holy Spirit. Sometimes astonishing things happen. Thanks be to God. Amen.